Bruce Friedman of Adult Site Broker, and welcome to Adult Site Broker Talk, where each week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week we'll be talking to Raja of Chargeback Help. Adult Site Broker is proud to announce the launch of our new website at adultsitebroker.com. We've added some enhancements to the site, such as FAQs and a complete new platform. The look and feel of the new site is nice and up-to-date. The new site also has links to our marketplace and affiliate program. Plus, don't forget ASB Marketplace, the first platform where you can buy and sell adult sites and domains for free. ASB Marketplace allows buyers and sellers the chance to come together on properties that are valued below our company's minimum of $50,000. Don't pay for other marketplaces when ASB Marketplace gives you this service for free. Visit ASBMarketplace.com and sign up as a seller or as a buyer today. And of course, there's ASB Cash, the first affiliate program for an adult website brokerage, where you can earn as much as 20% of our broker commission referring sellers and buyers to us at Adult Site Broker. Check out ASBCash.com for more details and to sign up. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We're proud to offer for sale the first NSFW social media platform in the world. The web app benefits from innovative technologies that enable over 960,000 members to instantly share their sexy photos and videos via computer or mobile. Today, the site has more than 200 new members signing up daily with zero spent on marketing. These leads are essentially coming from organic SEO, word of mouth, and premium backlinks. The site has received great articles in top magazines such as Playboy, Daily Dot, Refinery29, and more. In 2019, the site started recurring subscriptions, which made it a more private platform, since only registered members now have access to the content. While it impacted the traffic on the platform, the user base is now very valuable as the site only accepts verified users. There are now over 60,000 active members. Average time on the site is over 10 minutes. The site has a team of four super users moderating the platform to ensure there is no illegal content among the photos and videos. Also, there's a report feature so that every member can report content that might infringe on somebody's rights. The site gets most of its traffic from the USA, Brazil, Mexico, France, and Spain. All this for only $843,000. Next Monday on the Hanky Panky Podcast, Coral and Jewel will welcome male performer and producer Texas Bullstud. You can find the Hanky Panky Podcast at hankypankypodcast.com and wherever fine podcasts can be heard. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk is Raja Chowdhury of Chargeback Help. Raja, thanks for being with us today on Adult Site Broker Talk. Thank you for having me. 
It's a pleasure. Now, Roger is founder and CEO of Chargeback Help. Roger has worked in the e-commerce space since its infancy in the 90s. Starting out as a merchant entrepreneur, Roger gained extensive experience in payment processing and its risks. In particular, he noticed the chargebacks and fraud cost him and his peers significant time and resources to deal with, and in many cases, colleagues were losing their processing entirely. So in 2013, he co-founded Chargeback Help to help merchants fight back against fraud and chargebacks. The venture has since grown with offices in the U.S. and Europe, with clients ranging from small, high-risk businesses to enterprise-level firms with large merchant portfolios. Chargeback Help currently provides dispute management solutions through an SASS platform called Chargeback Help Plus. The platform integrates a variety of tools that not only help merchants reduce chargebacks, but also allow them to recover revenue from friendly fraud and even prevent the disputes that become chargebacks from ever happening in the first place. Chargeback help has its roots in adult. Now, uh, Raja, maybe you can tell us a little about yourself um, and how chargeback help came to be. You did a pretty good job of explaining it. Um, I try. We are... We, uh... We started off as merchants in the adult space. We've run uh, adult offers for, I can say, decades now. I, I can't mm-hmm. believe I can say that. That's, <laughs> that's really true. Um, we're both we were we're, we're both old now. <laughs> we were having yeah, we were having an issue with chargebacks, and we um, were given an opportunity by a company called Verify to become one of their first reselling partners in the um, in the adult space and that's sort of how we got our start now let's talk about where did chargebacks come from and maybe you can explain them more for the layperson actually uh, one of my pet projects is to help people understand the birth of chargebacks Mm -hmm. and why we're in this mess to begin with so in the 19 we have to go back all the way to the 1970s Mm. in the 1970s is sort of when credit cards started becoming popular in the U.S. and the government um, needed the credit card companies to come up with a way so that consumers could dispute a transaction with the credit card companies. And in the 1970s, the Consumer Protection Act mm-hmm. was born and they created chargebacks. Right. So this system that we're dealing with now has its roots to in to a commerce space in the 1970s where there's no internet, there's <laughs> no recurring transactions. Everything had to be done in person. Mm-hmm. So the the idea of a chargeback was that it would it was never supposed to be designed for a card not present situation. Sure. It was never supposed to be designed to be done over the phone or over email or over fax, <laughs> right? The chargeback space has simply evolved to those sectors because no one's no one until very recently has decided to overhaul this chargeback process. <laughs> Again, that was started in the 1970s. But um, thankfully, it looks like these and MasterCard are making some significant changes to the to the dispute system mm. and this call is sort of about an opportunity to talk about those changes and how they're going to affect 
all merchants and what they can do to be prepared for them. Interesting, interesting. And when do you think that uh, they'll have those uh, those rules and regulations finished? Um, I mean, I've been talking about them for a couple of years now, <laughs> and Visa was supposed to launch them April of this year. They delayed that until October of this year. It is my opinion that they are going to miss the October deadline as well. And we are probably looking at a soft launch maybe next April. Jeez. Now, I guess going along with this, the card networks want to retire the term chargeback. Why would they want to do that? Well, again, the the term chargeback is archaic. Well, yes. And is not really descriptive of exactly what is going on, which is simply a dispute between a merchant and a consumer. So the term chargeback is supposed to represent the settled transaction where it has been determined that the liability lies with the merchant and not the, and not the consumer and not the actual process of the dispute. So what we're going to do now is we're going to go back to very, very basics, and we're going to talk about these things as disputes, which is what they are, simply a dispute between a merchant and a consumer. Okay. Now, explain dispute management for us and how it goes beyond chargebacks. Sure. So dispute management goes, again, um, every time there's a point of contention between a merchant and a consumer, we're going to call that a dispute and not simply a chargeback. And what Visa has done recently, and MasterCard will is soon to follow, is they've created mechanisms that allow merchants to send back transaction information directly to the consumer's issuing bank at the onset of a dispute. Hmm. Meaning that right now what happens is you have this process where a consumer gets to call their bank and simply state their side of the story. And the issuing bank has no idea what happened on the merchant side. Well, now through a product called Order Insight for MasterCard, sorry, for Visa and Consumer Clarity for MasterCard, the consumer's bank can click a button and request more information regarding that particular transaction that the consumer is disputing. Mm -hmm. And in real time, the merchant has the opportunity to send the transaction data to the issuing bank and show the issuing bank that the consumer did in fact make this purchase, did receive the goods or services, and did interact with the product. Right. Now, now, how does Chargeback help provide dispute management for your clients? Well, so we, we are connected to the Visa and MasterCard dispute, this new system. We then, therefore, so we do chargebacks end-to-end. At the beginning of the dispute, we send the, we send the information to the issuing bank to help persuade the issuing bank that the transaction is, in fact, not eligible to become a chargeback mm-hmm. and the liability sides with the consumer. Hmm. If, the, if, the, if the issuing bank still believes that they want to proceed with the chargeback, then it becomes it gets diverted to an alert and at this stage, the, mer- the merchant has the opportunity to accept liability on the transaction, refund the transaction, and the chargeback will go away. Hmm. The, mer- the merchant also has an opportunity 
to be like, you know what, we still want to fight this chargeback through what we call the representment. And then the, the merchant can tell the issuing bank, you know what, go ahead, file the chargeback, we're going to represent it. Hmm. Tell us more about the representment. Sure, representment is once, once it has been, once a chargeback is received by the merchant, they have an opportunity to file some paperwork and some documentation to show that the chargeback was in fact a valid transaction and that the consumer should be liable for the purchase. Hmm. Okay. Is this done in most cases? No. Hmm. Um, it is done in very few cases. I, I think that the actual representment stats are something like 10% of chargebacks are represented. Hmm. Why is that? Most merchants don't, don't know how to do it or they've tried a couple of times and they've either done them wrong mm -hmm. or they didn't submit enough documentation. And so they've, they, they lose a couple of representments and the packages take some time to put together. So they decide it's not worth it. And you do that for your clients? We do. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's one of our core businesses is we, mm -hmm. we put together the packages on behalf of our merchants. We are very good at automating this process so mm -hmm. that we connect to the merchant via API um, and we gather all the data electronically mm -hmm. and then put the package together. We also connect to the merchant's bank, our merchant's um, bank account, mm -hmm. our merchant account, so that we can pull the chargebacks directly from the merchant accounts. Right. And then together, then we put the packages together through integrations to the merchant's gateway and CRM. Hmm. That's great. Now, now let's talk a little more about compelling evidence as it relates to adult. What's the best data for adult merchants to use in fighting chargebacks? The more proof that the merchant can show that the consumer integrated with the product or used the product, the better off the merchant is. So login history, any content that they viewed, any customer service emails, any phone calls, if, they, if they're using a call center that records the phone calls, we can even attach a, um, a, a voice file hmm. that will allow the issuing bank to play the message. Any, if, it's, if they have chat history, if it's a dating site, they may have chat history between the consumer and a potential date. Or if it's a cam site, they may even have cam to cam which we have submitted is one of my favorite one of my favorite methods of proof is when we have cam to cam evidence of a <laughs> consumer using the product. I love it. I love it. Now, how can adult merchants prevent unrecognized transactions? It's a real challenge since adult merchants have to be somewhat discreet in what descriptors go on a customer's bank statements, you know, for instance, uh, it's uh, you know, XYZ Inc or whatever. Sure. I mean, the answer is that they once they on once the consumer goes to the URL, first of all, they should all be using a URL in their descriptor mm -hmm. so that the consumer has a destination to go to to resolve any disputes that they might have with their transactions. Okay. And you know, you through some very basic like email and last four of the credit card they can see all their transaction history. Mm -hmm. And if they want to cancel their membership, they're able to do so. Or if they want to dispute their last, um, their last month of a membership, they're able to do so 
or their last token purchase, whatever it is. Right. You give them electronic means to dispute those things, and oftentimes it's better just to refund the last transaction and you know keep everything else. Got it. That's, yeah. that's step one. And mm -hmm. oh, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. I was gonna. I was gonna say as well. There are a number of tools that they can use to help prevent fraud, such as mm -hmm. ABS check, which is address mm -hmm. verification. Right. You know, you can um, make sure that the address that they're entering on the credit card page matches the same one on their on their billing pay on their billing profile mm -hmm. with their issuing bank. Right. Okay. Anything else? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's there's three D Secure, which we're mm -hmm. um, messing around with. As some people know, three D Secure doesn't protect adult transactions hmm. with Visa. It does on Mastercard. I hope that's true. I always hmm. get that confused, but I know that three um, D Secure 2.0 looks like it's going to work across the board for all adult transactions. That's so we awesome. are um, playing with it, but it we are it does result in increased declines which a lot of merchants don't like obviously so we're trying to balance out the 3d secure protection along with making sure that we're giving the merchants as many transactions as possible well yeah i mean you decrease your declines but you also you know to greatly decrease your chargebacks in the long run you, you could be out ahead right well that's the balancing act right? right i mean if you if you want to minimize fraud you can decline every single transaction you're going to have no fraud you're also going to have no business so <laughs> what we what we do is we try and we try and accept the maximum amount of fraud while maximizing the revenue so there's an inflection point that happens in the data where you'll be like okay if we you know let's say we turn off abs and now we're getting a whole bunch of approvals but the chargeback ratio is too high then we'll turn ABS back on for a merchant. I mean, like, okay, that's an acceptable level of fraud. We're, we're mitigating most of it. Our chargeback ratios are within acceptable levels and away we go. And that's sort of what we're, where we specialize is helping merchants really maximize their dispute prevention mm -hmm. while at the same time maximizing their revenue. It is not, you know, even though we are in the business of selling fraud prevention data. It is not our goal to sell as much data to our consumers. It is our goal to sell them only the data that is relevant for their business. That's awesome. Now, you've obviously been in this industry for a long time, and you've, you've had your own sites for a long time. What kind of an advantage does that give you in dealing with other site owners about their chargebacks? Well, I think that you know some of our competitors have never been merchants. So they don't actually That's understand right. all the costs that go into running a website, like mm -hmm. affiliates, traffic, customer support. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're not, and they're not trying to, and they, we also understand that merchants are trying to maximize their retention revenue to maximize, you know, every, everything. And we, because we understand every single factor that goes into running a successful affiliate type business or forget affiliate business and a successful e-commerce business, mm -hmm. I think it puts us in a unique position to understand our merchants' predicaments. You know, oftentimes we tell our merchants, for example, that we know that the affiliates have to get paid first, right? So right. If, if, if cash flow comes into account, if we could help our merchants out, 
we're more than willing to help our merchants out by telling them that you know you, you have to pay the affiliates first. I mean, I understand that. Sure. Um, now, give us the lay of the land in dispute management. This, this sector has seen a lot of changes in recent years. Who are the key players? I mean, obviously the card networks, Visa and MasterCard, but they're, they've also brought, um, they're also brought in on the dispute space as well. So tell us a little more about that. Obviously, dispute management starts with, with the card schemes, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover. Mm-hmm. They have recently acquired a couple of companies. MasterCard bought a company called Ethica and Visa bought a company called Verify. We were we started off as resellers of both Ethica and Verify. Mm. And with their recent acquisitions by the card schemes, we are now direct partners with Visa and, and MasterCard. Oh wow. Now Visa and MasterCard don't have a relationship with merchants or consumers. They have a relationship with issuing banks and acquiring banks. Mm-hmm. So what that means is that Visa and MasterCard are going to push these products out to consumers through the issuing banks and to merchants through the acquiring banks. So recently, we have built products to help mer- to help acquiring banks connect these products to merchants. So acquiring banks, for example, have no idea how to connect to a merchant CRM, mm-hmm. but we do. Right. So we've been helping acquiring banks. You know, Visa and MasterCard have been asking acquiring banks to deliver these products to their merchants, mm-hmm. and we've been helping the acquiring banks become able to do so, either okay. through a white label our system, mm-hmm. or through an API integration, or we or we do the back office support for the acquirer or the ISO. We do it a number of different ways. Okay. Now, is everybody an adult considered high risk, and if so, why is that? Uh, yes, everybody in adults is considered high risk. The answer is um, very simple. The the number of disputes in our space is higher than the, is higher than the norm. Sure. Uh, Visa and Mastercard consider the norm to be a card present transaction. Hmm. So any card not present transaction is considered a little bit high risk. Hmm. But you know, adult is obviously high risk we are we have to pay a high risk registration fee to build visa and mastercard and that is not going to go away anytime soon hmm. okay now what are some of the just be oh i'm sorry that they allow us to process <laughs> yeah this is true now what are some of the common pitfalls or mistakes that high-risk merchants get into they can get into taking aggressive traffic from aggressive affiliates you know affiliates who are maybe not telling the entire truth to a consumer, something like saying, you know, join this site and you'll get a million movies. Hmm. And then the consumer joins the site and there's only 10 movies hmm. in the site, for example. Well, that's gonna lead to a dispute. Right. Because the, because the consumer was promised something that wasn't there. Yes. Right, or, or, they, go to, um, or they go to buy a product and the login information takes 24 hours to get to them hmm. well in our world these guys are looking for instant gratification yes so that login information better be there in seconds <laughs> after them putting in the credit card yeah what else not answering not answering a a support email mm-hmm. within a few hours right i'm um, having having a consumer call a support number and being put on hold for 20 minutes 
those are all things that are going to lead that are going to lead to disputes and therefore chargebacks. Okay. Now, what kind of ROI should merchants expect from chargeback helps dispute management? Interesting question. It's hard to it's hard to quantify. I'm going to do my best. Okay. So, it really depends on the level of interaction or the level of proof that the merchant has for between the consumer and their product. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a physical goods product and the merchant is diligent about showing the shipping information and they're requiring a signature on shipment, well, we win 90%. Mm-hmm. If it's um, if it's a very aggressive dating dating merchant and the level of interaction between the consumer and the product is minimal, we're going to win 30%. Mm. So it's, it's a wide range and really it really depends on, you know, the level of data, how much data the merchant can show us that shows the interaction, again, to the interaction between the consumer and the product. That's the most important thing. Okay. And we can show the, we can show the consumer's bank that they used the product, it was them that made the transaction, then we're going to win, you know, most of the time. Now, now there's been a lot in the news lately uh, about, you know, the whole series of articles in the New York Times, for example, um, and MindGeek even lost their processing it for a, for a brief time. So, based on all that, what does the future of high-risk processing look like, especially in the adult space? Um, it is it is my opinion that in the adult space we should we should you know let let these stories just go and hope that they get buried. I think that the worst mm-hmm. thing we can do is is talk about them and hmm. you know and even ask for dialogue between the card schemes and us. Yeah, the card schemes know we exist. Right. And we need we need them a lot more than they need us. This is true. They would they would like these stories to just go away. They don't want to be they don't want to be tied to or have to, or be forced to make a decision on anything. No, it's true. You know they make good revenue from it. Mm-hmm. They don't, but they don't need it. If it becomes a PR problem for them, they will dump it. Mm. Okay. So basically, the bottom line is, let's keep our noses clean so they don't have more reasons to dump us. Exactly. Okay. And we are. Right. Those um, again, the witch hunt against against Pornhub was um, nothing of porn of Pornhub's doing there. It was, um, you know, a bad article. Right. Yeah. A couple bad articles, actually. And uh, yeah, with a lot of lies. Yeah. Why you never heard back from. That's true. One one merchant, uh, I'm sorry, one one writer seeming to have a uh, vendetta against the industry. Yes. For years. So how can merchants get in touch with you? Um, pretty easily. Chargebackhelp.com. We have a contact form on our website. As well, uh, they can email me personally, Raja, R-A-J-A, at chargebackhelp.com. And um, can be found at most trade shows buying drinks late at night. <laughs> yes, I know about that part. So, uh, Raja, and I hope we'll be seeing each other at those trade shows soon. Uh, counting on on Prague happening live. I, I guess they just did Marbella, so um, the chances are. We, got, we had a couple of guys. Uh, we had a couple of guys in Marbella. They had uh, a good time. Uh, 
show was fruitful. I am, um, I'm going to be in New York for Affiliate Summit East mm. next week, July um, 15th through 20th. Wow, good. And then, and then I'm planning on being at the, at the shows in, in the fall. You know, I'm a little sad this year that there is no Oktoberfest, as you uh, may yes. or may not know. I look forward to that every single year, but um, 2022 will be uh, bigger than usual, I hope. Uh, we're all we're all counting on it. Well, hey, I'd like to thank you once again for being our guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk, and I hope we'll get a chance to do it again really soon. Thank you very much, Bruce. I really appreciate it. Thank you. My broker tip today is part four of how to buy an adult website. Last week, we discussed making an offer and deciding the best price for the site you're buying. Once you've made your offer, the work really begins. If you're working with a broker, like say, oh, I don't know, maybe adult site broker, we handle the negotiation for you. Let's say the seller doesn't accept your offer. They may make a counteroffer. If you decide that you're willing to pay more, you can either accept their counteroffer or counter back to them. A good rule of thumb is to always leave room to negotiate. So don't make an offer that's the absolute most you're willing to pay. If you do that, then you have nowhere to go if the owner counters your offer. Once the owner and you have come to a deal, then it's time to do some due diligence beyond what it is you've already done. During the initial process of looking at the site, you should have asked some questions. Like in the case of a pay site, how many joins and rebills there are per day, and any other pertinent questions. During due diligence, you need to make sure everything is where you need it to be technically to integrate it with what you're already doing. You may even get your developer involved if you're not tech savvy. You and your developer should ask those pertinent questions. Once those are answered to your satisfaction, you should either have the seller or yourself draw up a sales agreement. I always tell my clients to pay an attorney and to do the agreement. Why? Because that way you can dictate the terms. So whether you're the buyer or the seller, you make the rules. However, just be ready to have the seller's attorney change some of those rules. Nothing is final until everything is signed off on. Another thing we do for our clients is to do a letter of intent prior to the sales agreement being done. This gives your attorney a roadmap for the agreement. The letter of intent, and more so the agreement, will have all of the terms involved, including who pays for everything. Who pays for escrow, for instance. This can be paid by the buyer, the seller, or split between both parties. We'll talk about this subject more next week. And next week, we'll be talking to Claude from X10. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Raja, from Chargeback Help. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman.